episode 606 of the world's only pinball podcast with 606 episodes. I'm coming from Galway, Ireland, and I'm looking down. And first, before I get going into the show, I want to give a shout out to Craig R., Thomas C., Matthew A., Stuart B., Tim O., Joe Tech Bob for being my latest Patreon contributors. We have now amassed 135 people are contributing to Canada's Pinball Podcast, plus all of you PayPal guys out there that don't want the IRS coming after you. Thank you everybody so much for contributing. We have now easily surpassed the amount of Razas that have sold to the world. And we're going to talk a little bit about Deep Root. I know this continues to be the most entertaining topic on Pinside because every single week people are waiting to see if the company is finally dead or if they are finally going to ship something. And somewhere in between, the truth does lie. I'm also going to talk about the spooky pinball stream of Halloween and Ultraman. We finally got to see what these games look like. And I watched a little bit. I didn't watch a ton of it. Jack Danger went to Benton, Wisconsin and did a two-hour stream, about an hour of each game. And I read your feedback. I was on the live stream. So I'm going to talk about what those two games look like. And then we're going to talk about what's really on everyone's mind and that is what is coming up around the corner in the pinball world because as all of you know this is going to be a very busy August, September, October as we head towards Pinball Expo. There is a lot that is coming out in the pinball world if and it is a big if if COVID doesn't shut more stuff down and if you think it's over and you think we're done and you think it's a guarantee that Pinball Expo is going to go on, I want everyone out there to do me a favor. Go get vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, wear a mask. That is the fastest way we will get back to the pinball shows we love and doing the things we love. Now, I know people are going to Guns N' Roses concerts again, and people are crowding into stadiums, but I'm telling you, it's not over, people. It's not over. I'm not going to get into some personal stuff, but I know people are still getting COVID on a weekly basis, and everyone thinks it's just gone. It's not gone. It's kind of like Deep Root Pinball. It's just never going to go away. All right, let's start this episode 606 with the spooky stream. So, for those of you out there who ordered a Halloween or an Ultraman, this was the first real deep dive into both of these games. Jack went over there, set up his gear, and showed the world an hour of each game. Now, it wasn't a stream without hiccups. I want to say that Jack was trying to get them to come to his studio so everything could go on without a hitch, but he went there. So you got to cut him some slack. Like if the man drove, I don't know how many hours to get there, has to bring his gear mobily to the actual facility and set it all up and use the Wi-Fi of Benton, Wisconsin, a place that has less than a thousand people in it. And so it wasn't without hiccups. There was a lot of buffering at times. The Ultraman shaker motor was like knocking out the video feed. It was all over the place. But we still got to see a ton of gameplay, a ton of rule set explanation, and a ton of each game. And so what I want to do right now is just give you my overall opinions about what I saw. And I hate to break it to everybody out there, but I actually think Ultraman came out looking superior 
So here are my thoughts on these streams. You know me, I never love streaming pinball machines. You do not get the sensation of what it's like to play these machines. And I wanna give you a case in point of that when it comes to these two machines. I keep reading on all of the threads and all of the chats how people want to turn down the lights in the game. It's so funny to me because Spooky Pinball used to be criticized for having the darkest games in pinball, and now they light their games up and everyone's complaining about the fact that there's too many lights and I can see the exposed LEDs and this and that and where's the diffuser and can I turn it down? So what I want to say to all of you out there, you have to stand in front of this game. So I asked Jack Danger straight up, what was it like standing in front of the games? And he said the games look incredible and he said the light show is incredible and he said he would not touch anything on the LED displays of this game or these games. And so there you have it. If you're standing over the machine and you're playing these games, I think this whole thing and this whole package is gonna work well for you. So if you're worried about the way it comes across on a stream, I don't know what to tell you. I think you're gonna have to stand in front of the game. You know what we haven't seen either is like either one of these games played in a sort of dark environment, right? Some people played it at Allentown, some people played it at the horror convention, but I tend to believe if you put this thing in a home arcade, it's gonna light up very nicely. And the light shows looked incredible on both games. It's kind of hard to look at Ultraman and Halloween being streamed unbiased if you bought either Halloween or Ultraman. If you bought Halloween, you look at it wanting to like it more. If you bought Ultraman, you look at it wanting to like it more. I will do my best to be objective, but if I was not in on either game, and I saw both being streamed, and I saw an hour of each, or saw a half hour of each, I would have walked away from seeing both games feeling better about Ultraman. I think Ultraman and its campiness and its colorful nature and the music and the light show and everything about Ultraman just felt fun. And when they were streaming it, I'm like, this is pinball. Pinball should be something that wakes you up, that puts a smile on your face and is really fun and enjoyable. And I just felt that way about Ultraman. And then when I saw Halloween, it was a lot more like serious with the grating music over and over and over again. And I know because it's a horror movie and Halloween as a movie, it's not supposed to make you laugh. It's not supposed to make you smile. It's supposed to scare you. And I've always worried about that. How do you take a horror movie and translate it over to pinball? And when you think about it, and this is my issue with Halloween as a pinball machine, just in general, it's like all these lights, all these colorful LEDs, nothing about that makes sense when you think about the movie Halloween. The movie Halloween is darker, it's grittier, it's much more sort of subdued. And then you see all these lights and all this color and all this flashing, and it's really not what Halloween is. So it's really hard to sort of translate a movie like Halloween into pinball format and do it like this. It kind of reminds me of that movie where Jason Voorhees, you know, the Friday the 13th, where he goes to New York City, and all of a sudden you remove Jason from the swamp, right? The dark swamp at night and the log cabins, and he's in the middle of this bright Times Square environment, and it's so weird and it's so off-putting, and that's kind of how it felt looking at Halloween with this lit up like Christmas morning sort of play field and you've got Mike Myers popping out and the whole thing is like bright lights. 
But that being said, the caveat for all of this is I'm not a Halloween fan. So while that music going on repeat over and over again might be annoying to me, you might love it if that's what you love and Halloween is what you love. But when I saw Ultraman, it felt a lot campier. It felt like there was a lot more clips integrated into it, and it felt much more like Batman 66 in spooky format. And I think a lot of people out there who watch both streams are going to walk away probably thinking Ultraman might be the game that's a little bit more fun. But we will see. We will see. Time will tell. Now, I also want to say that there's a lot of work to be done in both of these games. And these games are not finished by any means. And they're being done with different teams over at Spooky Pinball. I know the rule set's the same, but I do believe different people are working on both titles. When you look at Halloween, there's obviously a lot of work to be done on dropping more clips into the game. I heard they had something like 18 scenes from the movie that they can put into the pinball machine. And when you watch the game right now, we are not seeing 18 different scenes from that movie in the stream right now. So there's a lot to come. And I know the animations are the other thing people were complaining about. I think people need a reminder that this is still spooky pinball. This is not Stern Pinball. This is not Jersey Jack Pinball. This is not a company that has the sheer size, resources, and big programming teams that some of these other companies have. You've got to remember, it's still Spooky Pinball. And they are still somewhat of a small boutique operation. And so you are not going to get the animations to be at the same level of a Stern or a Jersey Jack pinball. And I think people are starting to see some of the limitations, if you will, of where Spooky Pinball is right now and what they can develop in a pinball machine. I also think Rick and Morty spoiled a lot of people thinking all the games were gonna be like that, but you have to remember the majority of Rick and Morty footage on that screen came from the show itself. And so when you can work with a lot of source material and have it up on the screen the majority of the time, it actually puts a lot less stress and pressure on the person doing the animations because there aren't a lot of animations in the Rick and Morty game. All of the animations were done by the team that made the show for the most part. So like that's where it gets trickier with Halloween is how do you stitch together all of those movie scenes with animations that also look good. And I think there was a lot of people that were just sort of complaining about how jerky the animations looked and they were hoping those would be fixed in the final form. So I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Everyone's a critic when they see these games for the first time. I also saw people on Ultraman complaining that the fonts were the wrong fonts and you can't read the score. How do you know you can't read the score when you're standing in front of the machine? You don't know yet. And so I find it hard to believe that Spooky Pinball would make a pinball machine of which reading the score is going to be too difficult. If there's any company that will take the constructive feedback from the community, it is Spooky Pinball. So I love the fact that even while people are complaining about stuff, Spooky Pinball still is alive in each of those threads and they're hearing all of your feedback. My only thing is this, if you're going to give feedback on what you would like to see improved on the game and you know Spooky Pinball is in these threads, just do it in a way that shows them some respect. Don't be like, these are effing horrible, this game effing sucks, because if you talk like that, you're being highly disrespectful. You would never say that in the presence of these designers or these companies. So just keep that in mind as you give your feedback in the thread. 
Now, the good news for Spooky Pinball is none of the feedback really does matter because every single game is spoken for. It is sold through to distributors or sold through to customers. There are still games available. I want to repeat that. If you want to get a Halloween or an Ultraman, you can find one at a distributor. The games are currently on the line and they will be going out to customers any day now. So it is super exciting to see Spooky Pinball turn on the line and get games to customers. When will these games be done? Well, they've got like 18 months to finalize the codes and the machines. I tend to think Spooky within the first six months of a game coming out gets the code to be pretty final, but it is somewhat exciting to get code updates and sort of mature with the machine. Now you don't wanna get a game that's absolutely bare bones the way Batman 66 was, but it is fun every few months when a new code update drops to install it and have all new things to get excited about. I do think that no pinball company has quite figured that part out. See, I think what pinball companies should figure out how to do, and I think Deep Root was trying to do this, is they should sell you a complete game with complete adventures, and then they should give you new adventures and new things in the game, but don't make you feel like you're playing a game that's incomplete on day one. Does that make sense? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I think that's something that everyone would love, is to sort of continue to wake up their game with refreshed experiences every few months. All right, so unless you've been living under a rock, there has been a lot of activity in the Deep Root thread, and all of this stems from Deep Root Pinball taking down its Facebook page for Deep Root Pinball and Deep Root Funds, and Robert is clearly shutting stuff off on the internet. And so now people are beginning to speculate on whether or not this company is finally reaching the end of its journey. The problem with all of this deep root talk is that the majority of people are not directly involved with any of it. Remember, there's only 122 people that are in on Raza. That is absolutely nothing. There are four times more people buying Ultraman. The reason why it's so comical and the reason why people can't stop paying attention to deep root is the sheer amount of money that has been spent on Deep Root Studios and Deep Root Pinball and not one single game has been made. There were 48 people hired by Deep Root Studios to do animations for who knows what. Where are any of these animations in the real world? What we don't see is a roster of people that were hired to manufacture pinball machines. The entire operation invested in design, all the fun stuff. It's like imagine building a company that only makes the icing for a cake, but nobody makes actual cake. That is Deep Root Studios. They are the world's greatest cake icing company, but they don't know how to make a cake. They don't even know how to bake. And that's Deep Root Pinball. And it's become comical now. The sad part is, the sad part is, underneath all the Ben Heck jokes and the Iceman jokes and the Yellow Bird confidence that's on Pinside, the sad part is this. There are a lot of people that are going to lose out again because they followed J-Pop. All the people that took jobs at Deep Root, all the part suppliers that are probably owed money by Deep Root Pinball, all the people that have been fabricating parts for this company. See, the thing is, when you see the failure of a pinball company, you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg on the sheer number of people that get burned by these failures. And this is why when J-Pop failed with Zidware, it should have ended there. 
The amount of people that got burned when John's Zidware went up in flames is so much bigger than people realize. And the amount of money that is still owed to good people like Chris and Melissa at Cointaker because John just kept taking and taking and taking from people. He kept promising them he would be done. He kept promising them games were coming out. And people gave him such goodwill and supported his efforts. And he paid them back by turning on a Ponzi scheme company. And he paid them back by misleading them and deceiving them. People use the word con man a lot in this thread, right? And the word con, when you talk about a con man, comes from confidence because they are inspiring confidence. Andrew Highway did this. He always made it seem like everything was a-okay. Kevin did it with Predator when he told people he definitely had the license. But here's the really interesting part about following the community when these things happen. And I, I want to talk about this, is do we think there are members of the community that wrongfully gave people confidence to stay in on Deep Root? Do we feel like some of these members of the community gave too much glowing reviews and confidence in how they talked about the fact that everything seemed okay at Deep Root? And you know who I'm talking about? Like at the very beginning, if you go to the Deep Root Raza Owners Club, you had a division. You had people like Iceman who were back in it. You had people like Yellow Bird who paid in full for two machines and was telling people that he felt really good about this. And you see it like there's just as people were saying they were talking to Robert and after talking to Robert, everything sounded good. And that gave people confidence to go in on Raza. You see the same pattern that we saw with Andrew Highway, with Kevin Kulik. The thing is, I don't blame Yellow Bird. I don't blame Iceman because anyone that went in on a Raza in 2021 or 2020, anyone who gave money to Deep Root, there is no way that those people did not have access to enough information about what an SHIT show this whole thing has been for the last five years and then what a crap show it's been with Zidware for 10 years. So when those people who are getting burned right now are like, don't rub our faces in it, I didn't know, I don't buy that. You knew. The red flags were everywhere. Everybody was trying to tell you, do not do it. Do not invest in this. This is not going to work out. Here's the crazy part. It's August of 2021, and I can't definitively tell you it's over. So I can't on my show say you're not getting a Raza. It doesn't look good. It looks horrible right now for you if you're in on a Raza. So it's crazy because we're still at this point now where people like ICE can still drum up the hope. But don't forget this part of it. It doesn't matter if Iceman continues to make people hopeful. It doesn't matter if people who have deposits want to say they think the game is coming out because there's no more orders being taken on anything. Order banks closed in December. So it doesn't matter at this point. Nobody new can lose money at all. And that's a good thing. That's something we didn't see with Andrew Highway and Kevin. See, Andrew Highway... The reason why we had to look out for each other with Andrew is he needed new money. He was chasing new money. And that is why it was so harmful 
when we had guys like Hilton shilling Andrew Highway, giving people confidence that Andrew knew what he was doing because new money kept getting thrown at Alien Pinball. New money kept going to Highway Pinball. There is no new money going to Deep Root. It's over. No one is going to give them money on a game right now. No one's going to go in on food truck right now until they ship 122 Razas. Not one more penny will be taken from the pinball community by Deep Root or by John Papaduke. And that's a good thing. So right now, no one's going to lose anything more. So now it's just an issue of like how much comedy can we get out of this thing and when can we finally call it? You know, that's all I want to be able to do is just, let's just call it, you know? It's like, can we just call it? Can we just check the pulse of this company and say, nope, it's flatlined or there's still life in it or it's actually going to have a full recovery. But everybody knows what I know. The numbers will never work out. It'll never work out. All those people, and I want to give a shout out to Blueberry Johnson, who's been sharing all of this information with everyone. It's amazing how he's chronicling all of this. When you look at all of those people who joined Deep Root Studios and Deep Root Pinball, all of those people had to be paid. When you look at the rent for the facilities in Utah and Texas, all those landlords had to get paid. When you look at the vendors that have to be supplying parts, all those people have to get paid. The math will never add up. It's never going to work. So even without seeing behind the doors, even without seeing pictures of production, I can tell you right now, there is no way this company can ever become financially viable. It's not going to work. But even knowing that, right? Even knowing that there is no pathway to financial viability for Deep Root Pinball, even knowing that, there is still hope. And here's where the hope lies, that he has so much money, and his pride and his ego will not let him fail at making those games. And if Raza's ever do get made, each one will cost Deep Root six figures to make each one if you add up the total cost over the last five years. It'll never be worth it. I don't think you're going to get your games. And even if you do get your games, I would be very careful about turning them on because you know you're not going to get any replacement parts. But I think this week, Robert needs to make a statement. He needs to say something to people. He needs to make some sort of statement after what's been happening with the community. I also think there is a responsibility by Steve Bowden and Barry O and anyone else over there, John Norris. I don't care if they signed NDAs. If you're friends with Steve Bowden, don't you want to save him at this point? I know that he moved all the way to Texas, and I know he's a great guy, but shouldn't the community help him out of this bind? Someone else give him a job? Why doesn't Steve just go work for American Pinball? They're hiring. Why doesn't he go work for like Spooky? I bet they could use his skill set. I just think he needs to get out of this. I really do. I think someone needs to help Steve Bowden get out of this mess. Because it's so weird to me that on his website, he's updating rule sets for a game that doesn't even exist. I can't believe we let John Papaduke do it again. I really can't believe it. Are his nine lives up yet? I think so. All right, so speaking about a company that's gonna get it done, Stern Pinball is very, very close to the next juggernaut. This September, I'm telling you, the second week of September, I think we're gonna see Godzilla from Stern Pinball. It's going to be a very, very interesting September for Stern. 
I keep hearing one word that Stern is about to clobber everybody with what they have coming out. Now, I don't necessarily believe that they're going to clobber us with mechanical magic, but I hope so. But I will say this, Zombietti, the greatest artist in the history of pinball, I would say next to Mr. Christopher Franchi and that guy on GNR is not so bad himself. Those are the three greatest pinball art packages I've seen. Guns N' Roses, Christopher Franchi's work, and Zombietti, without a doubt. But Zombietti, I hear, is going to be coming out with an art package that I know he wants to make a statement with this game. And what I love about Zombietti, he's so damn talented, Jeremy, but he's also like always feeling the pressure that if this thing is going to live in your home, that I want to make it as magical as I can. And I can't wait to see the artwork from him wrapped up in a Keith Elwin game with a big Godzilla head hopefully in it or some big mechanism that rises up from the playfield. Is it going to be King Kong rising up from the playfield? People are speculating about that. I don't think so. So we've got Stern right around the corner, right? It's already almost mid-August and Stern's coming quickly. It begs the question, where are you American Pinball? David Fix, your tiny window to release your game before Stern drops this juggernaut is closing every single week. I think the only thing that's happening at AP is I think COVID has created a shortage on parts. I think that's what's crippling all of these other companies is part shortages. And I don't think AP has enough parts to start manufacturing. I think the same thing is happening over at Chicago Gaming Company because those are the two other companies where everyone's just like, where's the stuff? AP, where are your next games? You said you were going to get two to three games out a year. You do realize you actually have to like release games to hold true to that statement. Back in December, we were told we were going to see the new American Pinball with the new back box head and junior designers and new games, both original and licensed IP. And here we are eight, nine months later, and we've seen zero games. Great job, American Pinball. Chicago Gaming Company, it's been over two years since Monster Bash remake what are they doing are they going to be coming out with cactus canyon will we also get mark ritchie's pulp fiction what else is coming out from cgc we have to wait and see i don't know these guys take forever as well jack winari on his interview said that we might see toy story by the end of the year because he said they're going to get another lineup or the pressure is on the team to get another line going so we're going to see about that All of these games, all of these titles, all of this pinball, and pinball is more expensive now than it's ever been. Do any of you ever just sit back and say to yourself, wow, like there's a lot of games, but not that much available new in box, but it's really expensive now. And I think some people are going to get burnt out. I do. I think now that all these games are like eight to $13,000, and now that there's so much clawing over each other to get the LE versions of every Stern, I think people are starting to feel a little bit of the fatigue. I, I, I do. Now, it's still exciting to follow pinball. There's just something off in pinball lately, and I've been feeling it, and I think it's this. I think people really miss the shows. I think people really miss jumping on these machines. I think people just really miss being able to play a machine before they put a deposit down. And if you think about it, we used to go to shows and we would be able to see Pirates of the Caribbean by Jersey Jack. We got to play it. We got people's feedback. And then the order banks opened. I think everyone's just tired of of this launching a game on the internet 
Nobody gets to see what the game is. Nobody gets to play it. There's no objective feedback on the game. And before we've even played the game or seen any footage, it's sold out already. I think people are getting tired of that. I think people are getting tired of attributing a game's greatness before we know it's even great. I think people are getting tired of having to spend so much money and chase after these LEs and CEs on day one before we know if the game's any good. Unfortunately, we're about to see a Stern increase in price. I'm hearing that Stern machines are going to go up $500 across the board. And so now a Stern LE is going to be $10,000 with no topper. I mean, just think about that. $10,000 thousand dollars for a stern le without a topper you add the topper you add some accessories you're now at a twelve thousand dollar stern pinball machine out of the box two loaded stern le machines are now going to set you back twenty to twenty four thousand dollars this isn't the hobby you guys all fell in love with it wasn't i mean be honest with all of yourselves if i were to tell you that just getting two pinball machines would be twenty four thousand dollars in just a few years you would have tapped out. You would have tapped out. You would have been like, this is nonsense. And I think that's where we're at. We're just seeing all these prices go through the roof. Distributors don't really want you to think about it too much. The companies don't want you to think about it too much. But for this much money and for these high prices, our expectations should be really high. But they're not. Like people are just buying this stuff regardless of what's in the game. They're buying it regardless if there's mechanical magic in these games. They're buying it before they see any of the code. They're buying it before they see any of the animations. They're buying it and they haven't even seen Ultraman. And we're all part of the problem. We're just like caught up in this tornado, this whirlwind of needing to own all these things and chase after all these things. Because if we don't get it right away, I don't want to miss out on another Pirates of the Caribbean CE. Or I don't want to feel the way I felt when I got locked out of Guns N' Roses CE. And what's missing through all of this, and the problem with all of this, if you just turn off chasing after the trim and you get back to enjoying the game and the gameplay, That is what pinball was supposed to be about. It wasn't supposed to be this like collect it all, collect every single one. Like these aren't Pokemon cards, like gotta get them all. These are $10,000 pinball machines now. And now three to four machines is the price of sending your kid to an amazing college. It's just not worth it. Here's the good thing about going to a show or going to your friend's house or the local barcade. The more you play pinball, the more you know you can go play it and enjoy it, Sometimes the less you feel like you need to own it because you've played it and you know it might not be for you or you've played it and you know you can go play it with 20 bucks and that'll satisfy your itch to play that game. But COVID has made it all about owning. Like I need to own this. I need to have it in my house. I need to get this on the internet before I get locked out and it's created this frenzy. Do I think it's going to last? No, I don't. Do I think the world in general, not just the pinball world, do I think the world in general is inflating ginormous bubbles around all of these kinds of items? I do. I think it's going to all come crashing down one day. And I don't mean like it's going to go away. Like the products will still be there. The companies will still be making games. But I mean the overinflation of stuff. And it's happening everywhere. Like people are throwing stupid money at everything. It's going to reach a point where people are going to sit down on their couch 
and really ask themselves, am I happier because I bought that $10,000 pair of sneakers? Did I need that $300,000 copy of Super Mario Brothers? Is this $40,000 pinball machine worth it just because they only made 200 because nobody wanted it when it was available? Is it now a great game? There's gonna reach a point where I think a lot of people are gonna do some soul searching and realize the happiest people in pinball just own a few machines, turn them on and play them, don't get OCD about every single little item in the game, and aren't chasing every single new in box that comes out in the pinball world. And all these collectors with their machines that have less than 200 plays, I guarantee you most of those guys never turn their games on, they've never even seen a single wizard mode in any of those machines, and it's just something to do that buys them access to the forum to say, look at me, look at everything I got. Happiness is somewhere in the middle of all of it. It is. And for each of and for each of us, like we have to find that balance. But I really, I really do think pinball is getting way too expensive for what the experience is. And that's just my two cents. You might disagree. Distributors don't want you to feel that way. They want you to start spending thousands on toppers thousands on mods, thousands on all these games. I'm telling you, it's just a pinball machine. It's not going to be anything more than that. It's not worth what these games are going for. Everybody, this has been episode 606 of Canada's Pinball Podcast coming at you from Galway. By the time I upload this, you'll be waking up. Enjoy this. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 